don't get me wrong. I love stuffing my belly full of Thanksgiving turkey and mashed potatoes, seeing my nephew's faces as they open up their gifts, and waking up on Christmas Day with my partner in our matching pajamas. I do enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas, and when we're all full-blown in those seasons, I'm thriving. But one holiday season stands higher than the rest. Halloween. Sometimes I feel like the mayor from Nightmare Before Christmas yelling, there's only 365 days until next Halloween on November 1st every year. As October here in Los Angeles is coming to a close, the air is beginning to change. As all Hallow's Eve draws near, even the trees in the neighborhoods begin to seem like they're trying to reach out and grab you. The bitterness of the cold mornings bites you as it touches your skin. The Halloween season is the time the invisible block between the living and the dead seems to thin, and you can feel it. As we all dive into the Halloween spirit, we don't realize that a lot of what we do now to celebrate is the same as our ancient ancestors. Even though the actions may seem the same, what seems to have been lost is the history behind why we carve and light pumpkins or even dress up. I want to bring back some of the lost history of Halloween back into focus. So let's dive into that. Welcome to Audibly Haunted. I'm your host, Ani Kachadorian. The celebrations that created Halloween were not exactly always about ghosts and ghouls or the neighborhood witch. Though the supernatural aspect was definitely there, the celebration that sparked it all was a Celtic pagan celebration called Samhain. The original was celebrated on November 1st, marking the end of the sweet summer air and welcoming the cold darkness and death of winter. Early Celtic literature says Samhain was celebrated with great gatherings and feasts, and was when the ancient burial mounds were opened. These mounds were seen as portals to the other side. Some of the literature also links these celebrations with bonfires and sacrifices. As time went on, they began to celebrate Samhain the night before, October 31st, to ring in the new season as the sun rises on November 1st. Paganism began to see that this was the night where the veil between the living and the dead was thin. On this day, ghosts were able to walk earth once more. They believed ghosts were able to come back to earth and destroy crops and farms. Priests would feed on the fears people had about ghosts and would draw large bonfires, becoming a hub for these towns. These bonfires hosted evening activities and feasts. Alongside the fires, what also lit up the night were lanterns made of gourds. Sound familiar? What would top it all off was that the townspeople would come dressed up. They would come in costume to disguise themselves. This was a time of year that light turned into dark and the veil between the worlds was thin. What topped it all off was that the townspeople would come dressed up. They would come in costumes to disguise themselves. See, this was a time of the year 
that light turned to dark, and the veil between the worlds was thin. People feared the coming of the spirits and even demons that would enter the living once more for this night, so they would dress up as things other than themselves to fool the spirits as to not have them follow them home, to keep them, their farms, families, and crops safe. A big part of these celebrations was the art of divination. Divination is the occult practice to try and gain insight on questions or situations. These rituals featured nuts and a fall favorite, apples. Throughout the years as Halloween progressed, bobbing for apples became a tradition that was added. This, in its own way, was a sort of divination as it sort of became a courting ritual to see if you were destined to find your soulmate there at the party. When we think of Halloween decorations, a few things come to mind. You look at skeletons, pumpkins, ghosts, black cats, and one specific flying creature, bats. When researching for this episode, I discovered a fact that never really crossed my mind. The usage of bats in Halloween costumes and decorations, I always thought was due to them being seen as creatures of the night that drank blood or because they were associated with vampires. But that's not actually the only case. During these town bonfires, it would attract insects to the flames and in turn would also attract bats at night. So anytime you looked up towards the sky on Sahwin on October 31st, it would be littered with bats. This is why the flying creature is so closely associated with the spooky season. Because of how much Halloween has changed throughout the centuries, we seem to forget the religious aspects that created the holiday. Churches don't condone it as it's seen as the devil's holiday. They will state it's not right to celebrate it as it deals with supernatural beings and mythological creatures. Yes, the origins of Halloween started within Celtic paganism, but its changes in nature actually happened because of Christian churches. You see, the word Halloween is short for a longer phrase. Once Christianity took over the Celtic lands, Christians brought along the celebration of All Souls Day. This was a day that celebrated all the lost souls who died within the faith. It really only applied to those baptized into the faith If you weren't baptized, you were sort of out of luck when you crossed over. Others who died in sin or guilt or were not baptized were in a way mourned as their souls were doomed to wander within purgatory. All Souls Day followed after All Saints Day, which was celebrated on November 1st. All these days began to bleed together these two celebrations began to be roped together, being referred to as All Hallow. So, 
how does Halloween play into all of this? With Samhain being the eve to All Saints Day and All Souls Day, it earned the title of All Hallows Eve. As time went on, it was shortened, and All Hallows Eve became Halloween. Nothing quite says Halloween more than the spooky sharp-toothed grin of a candle-lit jack-o'-lantern. The jack-o'-lantern isn't the mascot of Halloween. To me, the holiday is just not the same if our porch is not decorated with a large, glowing pumpkin. But where does it come from? What is the real reason we decorate our front porches with these pumpkins? The jack-o'-lantern nowadays is just another light-hearted part of the Halloween decorating, but that was not always the case. Stingy Jack went by many names in the stories told of him. Flappy Jack, Drunk Jack, Jack the Smith, and Jack-o'-lantern. In Ireland's Celtic mythology, this character was associated with All Hallows' Eve, and his story goes something like this. Centuries ago, in Ireland, a drunk known as Stinky Jack was known throughout the land as a dirty deceiver and manipulator. The rumors of his dirty deeds surpassed the ears of the living and even made their way to Satan himself. He overheard the tales of Jack's evilness and silver tongue, Envious of the rumors, the devil went out to find Jack himself and to find out if Jack lived up to his vile reputation and to see if he can claim his soul. One night, as Jack wandered the streets drunk, he came across a body in the road with an eerie grimace across its face. It was the devil himself. Jack saw that this was the end and the devil came to collect him Jack made one request to the devil to allow him to drink one last ale before departing to hell. The devil didn't see anything wrong with this and obliged. Jack drank until his thirst was quenched and then demanded that the devil pay the tab. Shocked at this, the devil told him he carried no money. Jack gave him the idea to turn himself into a coin And once the barman was not looking, he could turn himself back. The devil was impressed by Jack's deviousness and followed along. Then, Jack took the devil in coin form and put him in his pocket next to a crucifix, forcing the devil to remain as a coin. This forced the devil to heed to Jack's command. Jack stated that he would let the devil free if he would spare Jack's soul for ten years. The devil once again obliged. Once the ten years was up, Jack found himself face to face with the devil. Jack seemed to accept his fate, but asked the devil for one last thing before they go. He asked the devil to grab an apple from a tree for him. Foolishly, the devil agreed and climbed the tree. Jack quickly surrounded the base of the tree with crucifixes, trapping the devil in the tree to set him free. Jack told the devil he was to never allow his soul into hell, and the devil agreed. When finally, 
The drink took its toll on Jack. He succumbed to his vices. He stood before the heaven's gate, waiting to be let in, but was denied. His sinful life banned him from heaven. As a last chance, he begged the devil to let him into hell, but the devil denied him as well. When he asked the devil how he will see in the darkness of death, the devil threw him a single ember burning of hellfire. Now, Stingy Jack was forced to wander in limbo between heaven and hell with only an ember inside of a hollowed turnip. To avoid Jack's sinful dealings, the Irish would carve turnips with eerie faces and light them up. They would place the turnips on their front doorsteps to scare and keep Jack away. As the Irish brought the traditions to America, they discovered that a native fruit was a much easier vessel, the pumpkin. This is how pumpkins became what they are today. Jack gave the name to the spooky grin of the jack-o'-lantern. As a kid, and in my case, even as a full-grown adult, my favorite part of Halloween was grabbing a pillowcase and dressing up and hitting the neighborhood streets to ask everyone, trick or treat. Nowadays, we shout the phrase and our neighbors drop handfuls of candy into our bags, buckets, and pillowcases. And if they don't cough up the goods, houses are teepeed or egged. And I'd like to mention, I wouldn't partake in the tricking part, not my style. But our treats didn't always come for free. As time went on in the Middle Ages, Hallow's Eve traditions began to continue and evolve. On the night of October 31st, poor Celtic children would go door to door offering prayers to families whose loved ones had departed this earth. In return for their prayers, the families would offer them little treats, either food or money. This practice was called souling. I think it sounds much more eerie than trick-or-treating. This year, I'm going souling. A few hundred years later, the practice became a bit more lighthearted. Now, children would offer a trick, like a little song or dance, and then be rewarded with a treat. The phrase of trick-or-treat is much more modern than we think. Its first recorded uses was only in 1927 here in America. The first real use of it was on a grander scale within a 1950s Charlie Brown Peanuts comic strip, with the kids shouting, trick-or-treat. I've said it before, and it's something I'll always believe. Stories, myths, folklores, and even evolved traditions all have a grounded start somewhere. As we run around knocking on doors, carving pumpkins, dressing up, hosting parties and festivities on All Hallows' Eve, I can't help but to think of the origins of this wondrous holiday. When you think about it, not much has changed in how we go about celebrating. It makes you wonder, those who celebrated in ancient Ireland, did they ever think that their traditions would carry on 
all the way into 2023, the modern age. The story and history of Halloween is mysterious and enlightening, and I welcome the change in the air. I wish you all a happy Halloween and stay safe and mind your heads as you don't want the ghosts to follow you home. This has been Audibly Haunted, and I'm your host, Ani Kachadorian. You can find Audibly Haunted wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, you name it. Give it a listen, drop a rating, a review, and share with all your friends. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you all next week.